Welcome back. You're watching Health Mantra. And we are here with yet another highly qualified doctor from Manipal Hospitals to answer all our questions, our queries on various health concerns. But before we begin, let's first welcome Dr. Rohan Desai. Welcome to Health Mantra, Dr. Rohan. We are absolutely thrilled to have you here. Thank you so much. So Dr. Rohan is an orthopedic surgeon and specializes in hip and knee joint replacement surgeries. Uh, so you might have guessed the topic for today. Yes, we are discussing our bones. So earlier today, Dr. Rohan mentioned uh, that uh, we, we observed World Arthritis Day uh, last month. And according to a news report uh, of 2021, uh, around 1.3 crore people in India suffer from arthritis, which in terms of prevalence is higher than cancer or diabetes. Now, what exactly is rheumatoid arthritis? What causes it? What are the treatments available? Let's find out from Dr. Rohan Desai. Uh, so, Doctor, when we say rheumatoid arthritis, what exactly is it? See, rheumatoid arthritis is an inflammatory disease uh, or other inflammatory arthritis which normally typically affects a lot of females, rarely males. And uh, it's a disease in which like, you know, your, body own, your body's immune system starts attacking your own, your own tissues. So your tissues could be uh, joints in particular, but could be organs as well, you know, like heart and lungs and livers and kidneys and skin. So it's basically inflammatory arthritis. Okay. And doctor, what are the causes of it? So as of now, like we don't really know what are the exact causes for rheumatoid arthritis. We only know it's an inflammatory arthritis, but yeah, there is a genetic predisposition. So certain people who have a certain kind of a genome, which is called HLA2, they're prone for this kind of arthritis. Now, that is only possible when you do a genetic mapping of the individual. Now, in addition to that, it is commonly seen like in females. So usually like, you know, the risk is like, you know, three to four times much more in females as compared to males. Okay. Next, you also see in people like, you know, who are like, you know, prone for smoking. So people who have genetic predisposition plus smoking, you have seen the prevalence to be very high. Okay. Combination of factors basically. Okay, and doctor, what are the symptoms? So basically, like any other arthritis, basically usually it starts with joint pains. So typically, typically it involves the joints of your hands or your feet rather. So the small joints are usually very well involved. And typically it starts as a symmetrical arthritis. So now what we mean by symmetrical is basically it involves typically similar joints on both sides of your body. So usually you stand up with morning stiffness. So as you wake up in the morning, you'll have joint pains, which will normally ease out by afternoons. Mm -hmm. They're typical cases. Sometimes it may present only as one single joint involvement, like your knee may get just swollen you know, for some reason and then you do your test and you get to know or your ankle may get swollen. But usually symptoms are to begin with joint pains and swellings. Subsequently, if you don't treat them, they become worse and you end up in deformities. Doctor, what are the diagnoses available? Yeah, so once a patient presents to us in a clinic with this kind of symptoms, uh, we would normally ask them like, you know, for a few blood tests. So typically we ask them for something called a rheumatoid factor, which is a kind of an antibody which is normally seen in the bloods of them. So usually 70% of the people will usually have a positive rheumatoid factor. Some people will have another test which is called an anti-CCP. That is usually sensitive in about 95% of the cases. So usually we do a combination of few tests to prove that a patient has got rheumatoid arthritis. Okay. And doctor, for management and drugs, what would you advise? So patient. once you get to know like the patient has got rheumatoid arthritis, normally mm -hmm. the norm is basically we usually refer them to a rheumatologist. Okay. People who are trained like to deal with this kind of uh, patients or as physicians like who are trained with them. Uh, people to us normally present like when they have deformities. So initial management basically from a rheumatology point of view is medications. So you start them on drugs. Mm -hmm. So in drugs basically you have a combination, a lot of drugs. 
So if we split it, basically uh, drugs like you know, would be painkillers, which we call them non-steroidal drugs. Then some people use steroids, you know, which people are usually scared and skeptical, but then normally like you know, the rheumatologists usually start them on steroids. So the control initially is better. And you have something called disease-modifying drugs. Now disease-modifying drugs have been in the market for the last 20-25 years. So a lot of physicians and a lot of uh, rheumatologists and orthopedic surgeons have used disease-modifying drugs in which you have quite a few drugs. So those drugs are normally used to manage these patients. So whenever you start your treatment, normally it takes about 2-3 months for the effect to come. So usually what happens like patients, whenever they turn up in our clinics, like they're very impatient in the beginning because they want to have something and then like they want to get all right faster. But it doesn't happen so with the rheumatoid drugs. That's the reason in the first two, three months, like you have to brace them up with some steroids or with some medications or some painkillers so that it, those, those drugs don't take effect. Okay. So those are your drugs. Thereafter, the latest things which have come in the market are called biologics. Okay. These have come in the last 10, 15 years. These are basically some kind of immunomodulators because rheumatoid is an autoimmune disease. So you use something called immunomodulators to deal with this disease. And these are used quite rampantly in the last 10 years. And they give very good results as well. So what form do these come in? They come in tablet formulations. They come in injectable formulations. Okay. The only issue, they're a bit expensive. But I guess all of these uh, options are normally like, you know, discussed with the rheumatologist. You know, and you can take forward like, based on like, you know, the patient need and based on like, what the rheumatologist feels about the treatment. And doctor, what is the role of replacement surgery in this? So before we speak about replacement, basically we have to understand usually most of the patients in rheumatoid arthritis will have something called flares and remissions. Now flares are basically, they will have bouts of a few months, bouts of you know, increased pain and uh, limitation of activities, which normally last for a few weeks to a few months. So those are called flares. So usually when the patient turns up to us like in flares, we have to assess their joints. So now if the patients turn up to us like with let's say knee pain, or hip pain for that matter, or an ankle pain. We normally do an X-ray. And we basically look for destruction of the joint cartilage. So if for some reason we feel the joint cartilage destroyed, that's when like, you know, not destroyed rather, not destroyed, like, you know, if for some reason we feel right. there's inflammation in the joint, but the cartilage is not destroyed, then we have a lot of options. We can try physiotherapy, we can try icing, we can try medications. If let's say they don't respond to them, then probably we try injections. Now injections could be in the form of steroids, could be in the form of some gels which are available in the market. But usually most of the patients will respond to this. And then they go back to the rheumatologists or their physicians and get treated like and they get things controlled. Issue happens like when these people like get neglected in the first two years or three years or four years or five years. And or people try some other forms of treatment. And for some reason like the control is not good. In that case they come to us with deformities. Now, deformities is a very big thing. They can have deformities from the fingers to the hands, to their knees, to their ankles, to their hips, anywhere in the body, wherever the joints are. So if those joints get deformed, that's when the picture of a replacement surgeon will come. And that's when like, we offer them maybe a permanent option, which could be a replacement surgery. And doctor, what about uh, the, the thing, revision surgeries? Yeah, so revisions basically like would come later on. Mm -hmm. So first we plan replacement surgeries. Now, when we plan a replacement surgery, let's say for the knee or the hip joints, we normally plan for the bigger joints, the knee joints and the hip joints, which are very common. So when these people come with deformities and when we like, you know, talk to them and we discuss the problems and when we finally decide that nothing is working for them, that's when the replacement comes into picture. So moment you do a replacement, usually they will have a very good life. So the joint can roughly last for 15, 20 years or maybe even longer. Now the only issue is so for some reason, if that patient stays longer, lives longer, let's say, if the patient comes to us early in their life, let's say in the 30s and 40s, and they require replacement surgery, 
Thereafter, if the joint lasts for about 15, 20 years, maybe in the 60s or 70s, they would probably require a redo surgery, which is called a revision replacement surgery. But let's say for the some reason like the patient comes to us in their 60s, we can be rest assured whatever replacement we're going to do for them is going to last for a lifetime. Okay. And uh, Doctor, uh, who exactly is at risk now with, for our... Yeah, so I rightly said, I mean, usually it affects uh, the female sex, uh, people who are genetically predisposed, you know, having that certain kind of a genotype which is called HLA2, uh, people who are like, you no. Know, who have uh, who are prone for not prone for who are prone to obesity you know people who are already like, smoking a lot so cigarette smoking so these are all the risk factors you know who are probably predicted and people who are having a family history so let's say like somebody in your family your mother or your uncle or somebody else like is having arthritis and the risk of you having it like is about 50 percent so those people like you know, got to like you know uh, keep in mind that there's a possibility like you may end up in arthritis and like have some regular checks can you live a normal life with rheumatoid arthritis? I think if the patient comes to us in deformity and thereafter, like me, if you offer them replacement surgery, they will just have a normal life. I mean, uh, the usually people come to us like me with crippled uh, with deformities which cripple them. Like me, some people are wheelchair bound, some people are bedridden. So those are the like I mean the ways in which people uh, patients turn up to us. So in those cases, like when you like do a replacement surgeries for them, whether it could be a knee replacement or a hip replacement, you put them back on your feet. So those people who are bedridden, who are wheelchair bent, now start walking. And they can walk and they can do practically every activity. They can drive a car, they can, they can dance, they can do practically everything. So you'll have a transformation in the quality of their life. That's what a replacement surgery will begin. So doctor, what are the X-ray findings you see in a rheumatoid patient? Yeah, so X-rays basically, uh, when patients turn up to us, uh, usually they can land up in deformities right from your fingers to your wrists, shoulders, uh, hips and knees and ankles. So typically, if you do excess of the hands, you may see the fingers are probably like going outwards, or you may see like a different, a different, a different deformity like the thumb, wherein like the thumb like usually goes inside. It's called a Z deformity or a Z shaped deformity. Now similarly, if you do X-rays like of the wrist joints, okay, these are the joints like which you should do X-rays in the beginning because you can really pick up a rheumatoid arthritis, even though the blood tests are negative. So typically, what you see on an X-ray is you see joint destruction, you see reduction in the gap which is normally present like in any joint and you see deformities. Now if you do an x-ray of the hips or the knees, again you will see joint space reduction. So normally every joint when you do an x-ray, normally you see some kind of a gap. That gap is cartilage, which normally doesn't get picked up when you do an x-ray and hence it is seen as a gap. So gap is normal. Now in these patients like when you have a deformity or when you have destruction, like the gap will reduce in size and ultimately you will see no gap. So you'll reach a stage wherein the bones are rubbing against each other and there's no gap there. So this is what we look for. Now the difference in a rheumatoid arthritis patient, x-ray vis-a-vis a patient who's got osteoarthritis, which is different from arthritis, is rheumatoid arthritis, typically in the knee, will destroy all parts of the joint. So you will not see any gap in any part of the joint. Whereas in osteoarthritis, it's the other way around. You will usually see a destruction of only one compartment. Unless you're in very severe situation, you'll see destruction of all the compartments. So that's how you can diagnose very well sometimes even on an X-ray, whether this patient has got a rheumatoid arthritis or whether he's got a osteoarthritis. Similarly, the same in the kind of picture you'll see like in hip replacement, in hip, in hip uh, arthritis, which are rheumatoids. You'll see global destruction. Global is like all around. The whole thing is destroyed, complete cartilage destruction and absolutely no gap whatsoever. Now, very importantly, in this patients, you see something called osteoporosis because these patients usually on medications, 
like steroids and painkillers and allopathic and homeopathic and different kinds of medications which make them prone for osteoporosis the bones become soft in addition to that like they are uh, also not very mobile because of the pain so that also causes disuse osteoporosis so on x-rays you can also see the bones are quite fragile so those is so these are all the things about what we see on x-rays so doctor when you say fragile on x-ray what exactly does that mean i mean they look very soft okay. as compared to a normal bone i mean uh, when you like if you take an x-ray of the same patient like in the same age group and you compare it like with the rheumatoid patient of the same age group you see like these bones are softer so the risk of fractures are a lot more in these patients if they have a fall, let's say, or for some reason, patients. Okay. So, doctor, uh, what complications do you expect uh, while you're doing replacement surgery in a rheumatoid patient? Yeah. So the biggest complication, what you can see, is fractures. Because for the simple reason, because these patients normally like have weak bones, because they're already on a lot of medications, as I said before, like steroids and all. So that basically like makes them prone for osteoporosis. So typically when we open the knee or when we open the hips and we do a replacement surgery, in the middle of surgery we can we can sense, we can see for ourselves that the bones are quite soft. And so usually we end up using cemented implants for them. Okay, usually in the hips we do a lot of uncemented implants wherein we don't use a cement. But normally in these patients we have to keep those cemented implants as a standby. So we may have to use a bone cement to fix those implants in their bones because the bones are softer. Second, you have to be very careful while operating because like, you, can, can, you can cause inadvertent fractures. So that typically depends on your technical expertise of a surgeon to be careful, to brace up, to have all the possible implants on table, you know, so that like, you can deal with any complication thereof. So those are the most important challenging things which we face as a replacement surgeon when we do surgeries for these patients. So, doctor, after a replacement surgery, hmm. how long does a patient take to get back on his feet? Yeah, so in Manipal, basically, for the last few years, we have been promoting something called fast-track replacement surgeries, uh, which has become a norm all across the world. So typically, the patient gets admitted on the night of surgery or the morning of surgery, and the surgery takes about 40 minutes or 45 minutes. Thereafter, once the patient comes out of anesthesia, within a few hours, three or four hours, the patient is like, you know, put back on his feet. So he's made to stand, he's made to walk. There are no stitches, everything is under the skin. And you will just have a very small scar because all the surgeries normally, nowadays, are done minimally invasive. So after replacement, the protocol is very simple. You're made to stand, you're made to walk, you're made to like, do all the exercises within a few hours of surgery. Thereafter, you spend a day in the hospital just to make sure you receive the antibiotics and the painkillers. And the very next day, you get to go home. Now, this is a protocol like, you know, for a patient who's undergoing a single knee replacement surgery. But for some reason, if the patient like, has got both knees involved or both hips involved, and they have to simultaneously undergo both knee replacement surgeries, then those patients usually will end up staying for about two or three nights. That's because we want to like, make sure there are no complications. We want to make sure they're adequately uh, mobilized in terms of walking and exercising and all the stuff, you know, and then they get, get to go home. So once they're home, we usually expect a home-based physiotherapy program, which goes on like, you know, for three weeks to a month or two months or three months, depending on the patient's recovery. Okay. And we usually assess them on a monthly basis for about two or three months. So usually, uh, if everything goes smooth, we can expect the patient like, to walk without support in the next two or three weeks. Uh, usually a month, we ask them like, to walk within the house you know, just to be comfortable. After a month, if they're very comfortable, they can like, move out of the house and like, go for a short walk. By two or three months, we can expect them like, to walk a distance. That could be a kilometer or two or three, depending on like, how much of effort the patient is putting in physiotherapy. When it comes to driving a car, if the patient is mobile enough, I think six weeks is a good time. Following a replacement surgery, we like to go ahead back to driving a car. If it's a hip replacement, then there are a few uh, uh, 
डूज एंड डोंट्स विच यू हैव टू फॉलो विच आई एम श्योर एनी फिजरेपीज लाइक मी विल टॉक टू दैम लाइक यू गॉट टू कीप अ पिलो बिटवीन योर था इज वैन यू गो टू बेड इफ यू वॉन्ट स्लीप ऑन योर साइड यू गॉट टू स्टफ अ पिलो बिटवीन योर था इज एज वेल जस्ट टू मेक श्योर द हिप स्टेज इन प्लेस फॉर द फर्स्ट सिक्स वीक्स लगने यू शुड ट्राई नॉट टू सीट लगन ऑन लो स्टूल यू शुड लगन सीट ऑन द हाई सर्फेस योर हिप शुड नॉट बैंड मोर टू नाइन डिग्रीज सो दर आर फ्यू रेस्ट्रिक्शन फ्रॉम द हिप पॉइंट ऑफ व्यू बट फ्रॉम द हिप फ्रॉम नी पॉइंट ऑफ व्यू यू कैन गेट बैक टू यफ फास्ट Okay, so doctor, what are the latest advances uh, that we can see in Manipal Hospital in terms of a replacement surgery? Yeah, so Manipal Hospital is quite equipped, like now with uh, all the latest technology in terms of having a space suits to laminar airflows, you know, which are required basically to bring down the the risk of infection, which internationally is than 0.5 percent. I mean, Manipal Touchwood for the last 10 years, like now we were having like now a very good uh, ratio of you know we have not had so far any gross infections the last 10 years. Uh, our surgeries are very quick. Uh, the surgical time is very small. Uh, we do something called minimally invasive replacement surgeries, wherein the cuts are very small. We don't normally like have very big cuts which go across your knee, so the cuts are just small enough, like you know, for the implants to fit inside. Uh, you're mobilized very fast. As I said before, like within three or four hours, like you know, you're put back on your feet. You get to stand. You get to walk. You get to go home the very next day if you're doing a single knee replacement surgery or a single hip replacement surgery. So you get home fast. You start with your physio faster, and then like your your part to recovery like is is uh, hasten. Talking about uh, the treatment, especially mm. drugs. Uh, when does a patient need a uh, knee injections? So, uh, when a patient turns up to us in a clinic, and he's got let's say knee swelling, and of course we do X-rays and like we know for sure this is rheumatoid arthritis. We have done the blood test and we already know. And for some reason the joint is not destroyed. or the cartilage is intact so that's when like we probably like we offer a steroid injection so normally as per the uh, american rheumatology association we are allowed to offer about two or three injections in a year in those rheumatoid patients so the advantage of a steroid injection is it will give you a quick relief because in rheumatoid arthritis you get something called synovitis every joint in your body has got a tissue which is called a synovium which normally secretes some fluid so that tissue is called synovial synovial tissue or synovium rather this patients who have got rheumatoid arthritis normally have inflammation of the synovium and so the synovium becomes thicker and that is called a penis so that normally eats up the joint so when these patients turn turn up to us like with knee swelling or let's say hip swelling usually the knee swelling we usually offer them a steroid injection if we feel like no i mean they are the right candidate for a steroid injection because people are usually scared and skeptical about a steroid injection so that's the reason i'm saying if the patient has to be a right candidate for a steroid injection now what does the steroid do it's a very potent and very strong anti inflammatory agent so moment we give the injection inside the knee it will decrease the synovial tissue it will shrink it so the swelling which is there which is so big and boggy will just come down so that shrink basically gives a good relief now the effect of course like may last like for a few months we will not expect the effect like not to be lasting for years and years together but it's temporary just to bring down the pain and the swelling and the inflammation of the joint so the patient can do his activities in that time he's also on other drugs you know which is a disease modifying drugs which will take effect so this swelling normally like happens only when they are not like under control so they have to revisit their rheumatologist or their physicians or their orthopedic surgeons to make sure the treatment like is taken properly or as you have to adjust the dose of treatments or as you adopt new drugs Okay doctor is there any particular diet that can help a rheumatoid arthritis patient Yeah so I think uh, a diet which is rich in antioxidants is something which we recommend and also the rheumatologist also recommend So uh, lots of green leafy vegetables lots of uh, colorful fruits 
you know, which will offer different kinds of antioxidants like berries and blueberries and strawberries and different kinds of uh, uh, fruits, okay, uh, capsicums. So basically something which is colorful in terms of fruits and vegetables that would offer you a lot of antioxidants. So those normally like, you know, offer benefit from joint pains. Okay. We also recommend like in having like a bit of turmeric because turmeric is supposed to like in a contain an, uh, an ingredient which is called curcumin. Nowadays we even get medications like which have curcumin inside, you get tablets available which have curcumin. So that basically usually helps in inflammation, bring down inflammation. And avoid as far as possible spicy food. So you don't want something which is hot and sour and uh, which is heat basically, heat producing basically. You want something which is going to tame down the heat in your body. So these things are very beneficial. Doctor, thank you so much. This was really helpful for those who are not aware. I'm sure this really did help them understand the disease better. It was really nice having you here. You're most welcome. So, for those of you who wish to consult Dr. Rohan Desai, he's available at Manipal Hospitals from Mondays to Saturday. And those of you who are suffering or have any symptoms, do not worry because nowadays we have so much betterment with treatment that, of course, it's a lot easier to get back on your feet.